Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To the cheeseheads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein, back from my hiatus to talk about a Packers win. What perfect timing for me to get to come back on the show when we have a game that was a really, really good game to get to talk about this week and then a short week and the Packers play on Thanksgiving. So first, Perry, how are you doing? She's back. (laughs) She's back. Um, I'm good. This was, and I'm sure we're going to get into it, but this was by far and away the best Packers win of the season, just like from top to bottom. Um, maybe not necessarily for the defense, but like, I just look at things in terms of the offense now for this team. So yeah, she's drinking a victory beer and everything. She's back. She's so back. She's vacation. She's vacation Maggie right now. Um, (laughs) and I'm just feeling so good. I mean, we're, we're recording on Tuesday, so it's technically victory Tuesday, but I'm feeling really good. Obviously I think maybe we can start with um, the Packers injury report, which reads like a God. CBS receipt at the moment. Um, so heading in on a short week, you know, you come off this really awesome win against what is a very good opponent. I, I think the Chargers record doesn't necessarily reflect how good of a team they are. Um, so a really good home win, short week. Unfortunately, you leave that game incredibly banged up. You're already banged up. Um, do we want to read <laughs> the unfortunate umness of this Packers injury report right now? Yeah, I think we should because yeah. I think it, it kind of sets the tone. Like there were so many guys, and we'll talk about it, that had like their best games of their young careers, and now they probably won't get to play on a short week against the Lions. So the whole like compounding that we talk about and building on these these games. No, they're just going to, you know, they're going to be on the sidelines with ice packs. And that's really unfortunate. Yeah, it is. And and you bring up such a good point, right? Because you got against the Chargers, you got a huge game from Jaden Reed. Again, you know, not just in the run game, but in the pass game as well. You get a huge game from Dontavian Wicks. Again, you get a huge game from, um, you know, you get Aaron Jones back finally again, unfortunately, all three of these guys are hurt. You're getting another big game from Luke Musgrave. He's hurt. So let's go through this. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, clear your throat. There's going to be a lot, a lot of names. 
And again, there, um, this is the estimated injury report because I think they're still going through more walkthrough, non-padded practices. But here we are. Jair Alexander is a limited participant. So that's a good sign for his shoulder. He did not play. Um, he was limited both Monday and Tuesday, hoping that that means he is on the trajectory to play on Thursday. It sounded like he was playing on Sunday and then they at the last second put him on inactive. So that made me think they were maybe saving him for the Lions game. Yeah, that would be, I think, honestly smart and a good sign. Um, Corey Ballantyne was also on the injury report with the shoulder, but he was a full participant Tuesday's practice. So probably a good sign there. Devondre Campbell left the game against the Chargers with a neck injury, which is horrible to hear. Um, he was a DNP both Monday and Tuesday. That's looking like he will not play. Thursday, um, it will likely be Quay Walker and Isaiah McDuffie, which I'm perfectly okay with. Um, Kenny Clark, again, he did play on Sunday against the Chargers, had another really nice classic Kenny Clark game, although he was on a snap count a bit. Um, he's still on the injury report with a shoulder injury. He's a limited participant. I feel like that's just a formality, and I'm sure Kenny will play. I'll be in a bit of a rotation again against the Lions. Um Josiah DeGuara has a hip injury. He is a DNP. Both, I think, given where the state of the tight end room is, I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers signed a tight end or brought a tight end up from the practice squad for Thursday's game against the Lions. That's just a little bit of my hunch. AJ Dillon running back has a groin injury, is a limited participant. Seeing as he is kind of the only running back <laughs> in the room right now, you would hope that he can play. Um, my screen just went dark because I am still reading all this list. <laughs> Rudy Ford, safety, biceps injury, limited participant. Looking like Rudy is trending into coming back. Also in the safety room, guess who got called, came back from injured reserve this week? Darnell Savage. Um, his window is open, so I don't know if he's going to play against the Lions. I'd be surprised, but it's really nice to see that Darnell could be coming back. Um. Rashawn Gary, a full participant, so it looks like whatever happened in practice last week is not going to be an issue for him, which we love to see. Elton Jenkins with his knee is limited. I think that's just going to be what Elton is all season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Aaron Jones, we got great news today. Um, I thought he tore his ACL when I saw him crying on Matt LaFleur holding his hand on the field. I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, he sprained his MCL. So he will be back um, in a couple of weeks. Matt LaFleur said today that on Tuesday that I, he doesn't even think they're going to put him on IR. So this is about the best news. Yeah, about best news you can get based on what we saw, but he was obviously a DNP and probably won't play against Lions. Um, Luke Musgrave, I think, is the biggest news of them all. He has an abdomen injury. I think you can tell which play it was in this game that he hurt himself. It was like a big third down conversion that he fell down on. Nobody knew that Luke hurt himself. He played the rest of the game. Turns out that he was hospitalized after the game with this abdomen injury. He has been since been released. He is home. He is fine. He is recovering. Um, he obviously will not be playing in the Lions game. Um, we're going to get 
to these injuries yeah. after I finish this list. Um, Keyshawn Nixon with an ankle limited participant. Jaden Reed with a chest injury injury that popped up today, Tuesday as a limited participant. He was not on the injury report Monday's practice, so don't know where that came from. Christian Watson. The only good news, also not only good news, additional mostly news, good news. mostly good news <laughs> along with you know. Rashawn Gary is that his shoulder injury has, he is now a full participant in practice. So it looks like Chris Watson is back to being hundred percent. Dontavian Wicks with the concussion again was DNP. I think given where we're at in the league with concussion protocol, you can probably scratch Wicks from the game on a Thursday, which quite frankly, I'm fine with protect the head. Emmanuel Wilson, our running back shoulder injury, I think he was in a sling after the game. He's been a do not practice all week. Don't think he'll be playing on Thursday. I have now finally completed this list. And so while you were talking, I was just, you know, genuinely curious going through it. Um, There's actually not a tight end on the Packers practice squad. So it could theoretically be Tucker Craft and Ben Sims going into this game. And maybe they'll elevate someone, but... I don't know if that's the case. And with the state of the running back room as well on such a short week, like those offensive skill positions, and we can dive into this whenever you want to, after having such such a phenomenal game where it felt like the offense was finally putting it together. Matt LaFleur even yeah. said it in his post-game presser, like, and in the locker room too, like we are, you can feel the momentum. Like we can feel what it's like when things start clicking and things were clicking up until they weren't. And Unfortunately, now it's a really, really tough Lions team, eight and two, going into their turf at Ford Field on Thanksgiving when the Packers historically don't play well already on Thanksgiving with most of their players on offense injured. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a tough break because, like you said, you know, I just listed off of your, let's see, of your top five or six your top six receivers against the chargers so wicks dobbs reed dylan Kraft, musgrave three of those are likely are on the injury report two of which are probably not playing that's a tough break and all three of those that i listed wicks reed Kraft, or musgrave are rookies who are really on the, you know, uphill swing. They're showing continuous improvement. They're showing like really nice chemistry with their quarterback. They're showing like every kind of development you want to see from rookies more so than I think you ever expected, especially when it comes from a rookie tight end from a fifth round receiver. Um, Just really injuries happen. It's the NFL, but hard to see after such a like momentum swinging win to not get those guys out on the field. Like you said, Maggie against a really tough opponent against a division. What is now I would consider a division rival um, against a team that has really beaten up the Packers. The last three times they have matched up probably against a team that the Packers would like to really go head to head and say, you know, like, you came in and beat our asses last time. Like we'd like to bring it to you and it's going to be kind of hard to bring it to them on a national stage without some of your top weapons. 
I'm just going to say it's a really good, uh, really good week to have Tucker Craft in Dynasty. And Perry Goldstein has Tucker Craft in both of my Dynasty leagues. So if you don't have a fantasy league with Perry Goldstein and you would like to pick him up on waivers, probably a good, <laughs> good week to do that. But no, you're absolutely right. I mean, we saw Wix has such reliable hands and it's hard to say like this is a Romeo Dobbs game and a Christian Watson game, but they're going to have to shoulder the load. I want to talk about Dobbs more later yes. in the show, but he remains, you know, such strong hands caught the go ahead touchdown, but it's everything you want to see from a young offense. Wicks looks Let's really talk good. About Dobbs now talk about Dobbs. Let's go Let's, off. Let, <laughs> I just think that this Packers offense does not have a true wide receiver one. And I'm perfectly okay with that. And I, I don't know if there's a lot of teams that maybe would be comfortable with that operating that way because there are the Devontae Adams in the league and the Tyreek Hill and the Justin Jeffersons. But at the same time, there are a lot of teams that also just have, you know, a handful of really athletic weapons. And that's what we're seeing from this Packers team. And that's not to say that like a Jaden Reed can't become or a Christian Watson can't become or Romeo Dobbs can't become or even Dontavian Wicks. But the performances that these young guys are putting together you're starting to see the chemistry build Jordan looks more comfortable at quarterback it feels like the ball is in the right spot the guys are running the right routes and it's all just kind of kind of fitting together into the offense that we were all so excited about in the beginning of the season as far as what we expected especially I think like the Jaden Reed end arounds and stuff which kind of came out of necessity with the Aaron Jones injury yeah. but the fact that he was getting use in some of those creative schemes you were like okay male floor like we're seeing now, I think, what he expects of this offense and what this offense is actually capable of. Yeah. So what do you think, though? Of I mean, I feel like Dobbs is an interesting case of our opposing corners following him, and that's why he's not getting as many targets as necessarily you would expect. Like, what is the case of, like, the disappearing Dobbs? Because sometimes throughout games, and especially during the Chargers games, I'm like, where is 87? But then all of a sudden, like you mentioned, he he's the one who's targeted with the go-ahead, like winning touchdown. And that makes sense to me because he's the most consistent and reliable hands catcher, like by far and away. And he's, I'm guessing this, I don't have the stats in front of me, so you can fact check me, but my guess is he's the leading receiver at the moment. So he is with targets by like a wide margin. He's got 65 yeah. targets, 38 receptions. But Reed actually leads in yardage because of all those, you know, those broken tackles. Okay, that that makes the most sense. But in terms of targets, that makes sense to me. But there's sometimes like big swaths of games Mm -hmm. where I'm like, where did 87 go? It's kind of crazy, though, to think about like um, in in the beginning of the season on Pack-A-Day, we always did like a, a stat prediction. And our question this season was like, who will have more touchdowns, Christian Watson or Romeo Dobbs? And we all ended up taking Dobbs because we thought Watson probably gets a lot of the yardage, but Dobbs is like that guy in the red zone. And here he sits, you know, with seven touchdowns on the team with, I mean, Jade Reed has five if you count the the rushing touchdowns. So still impressive, but yeah, Romeo Dobbs, like far away in the end zone, as you can tell the, the target that Love is most comfortable with. And you can see why when he's got hands like that. I mean, yeah. he doesn't like hug the ball into his body. It's not chest catch, like... These are just strong hands, muscle kind of catches. And that's what you need when you have a young quarterback. Yeah, he plucks that out of the air. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to dive into the Lions, I think, a little bit more. I mean, we went through the injury report, which is, like, I think the biggest key, you know, to this game. But 
what were your biggest takeaways? We're going to move away from the Chargers game, but like biggest takeaways from that game for you? I think just that we're finally starting to see the offense that we had expected to see. Also, we talked about there being growing pains, and we talked about the Packers needing to make a decision for better or worse on Jordan Love by the end of the season because you know he's under contact for 2024, but you don't want to have to like reach for a quarterback or look elsewhere. And I think if you're looking at the way he's been playing the last couple weeks and you're seeing what this offense is capable of when everything's cohesive and is clicking, you feel a lot better about the state of things than you would have in like week five. So I think that was my biggest takeaway is I still am on team like fire Joe Barry still think the defense needs an overhaul, but the promise that we're seeing from the offense is actual genuine promise. And I don't think it was just, you know, a mirage of like a bad defense. I think that this is, what this Packers offense can be. And I'm curious to see kind of where they'll build. I think there's a lot to build around, I should say. And I don't yeah. think they need to change a lot. Yeah. I'm with you. I I think they've gone up against now two weeks in a row, two very good defenses. And people will probably come at me a little bit about the Chargers defense, but like, I don't care. I'm putting them in the category of a good defense. I'm not saying they're great. I'm not saying they're elite. I'm saying the Chargers have a very good defense. They have two, two elite pass rushers. They lost one of them early in the game. Okay, don't care. Um, I think Jordan Love was dealing with a lot of pressure in his face at all times from Cleo Mack. Um, and there were times earlier in the season where – all it took was one good pass rusher for the t- all the entire offense to be totally derailed. And so like there, I, I think are concrete things to point to where this offense has improved and Jordan laws has improved. Um, that being, being able to get the ball out quickly to make big plays with pressure in his face, to make big plays off script, to get out of the pocket, to scramble, to extend plays. I think his default is getting better um, I like to see that they're using each of these young players in such unique ways. Um, and they're all really kind of coming into their own. You mentioned it earlier that there's not really one true, you know, wide receiver one, but I agree with you. I think that's okay. Um, I think they each are becoming their own like distinct role player. Um, and that once they kind of hone in on who they are and their like unique identity, and Matt LaFleur is starting to use them in that way. Okay, let me dial this up from the Musgrave, you know, play call sheet and this from the Jaden Reed play call sheet. It's starting to really come together. And it's by no means perfect, of course, um, but you're starting to get the vision. And like a month ago, six weeks ago, there was no vision. (laughs) (laughs) We had no idea what the vision was and now we do. And so we always said unequivocally, you just want to see this offense be better in week 12 than it was in week four. And as long as that's the trajectory that this team is on, I will feel good going into 2024. And currently that's where this team is at. So I feel good right now, a lot better than we did, you know, a couple of weeks ago where this offense sits. And I have asked this question on every show I've been on in the last few weeks, and I'm going to ask it to you. And I think I'm finally going to give my opinion on it because I've been asking the question and not getting my opinion. But I want your opinion is where Jordan Love is currently in his development. Like, has he shown you enough for you to feel like 
that's my guy. I think yes. And maybe that's a Homer perspective and people in the comments will, I'm sure, share their opinions with us. But yeah, and I mean, I know you can't take emotion and feeling into this kind of decision, but he sat for three years behind one of the best to ever do it. And he's played in a dozen games, you know, in his career. And I know that there's small sample sizes and guys like Josh Rosen, who was a first round pick, didn't have the luxury of like figuring it out. Like these decisions are made and your career can come to an end very quickly if you don't put everything on tape that teams are looking for. But I think knowing that they have him for 2024, and I think he gets locked up if the Packers decide to go that way before the end of the season. I don't think they drag it out into the offseason with him. But I think from what they've asked him to do behind the offensive line, they've asked him to play behind, behind the offense they're trying to run. I think, yeah, I think he deserves to be able to put the pieces together because I think the intangibles that he has are enough to overcome some of the things that are very fixable. Yeah. That's how I feel. I mean, my simple and quick answer, and I guess I don't need to be simple or quick because this is my podcast. <laughs> this is our show. You can do what want. Want. Um, I mean, my my the, my feeling about it after watching him over the course of this season is there's a couple of, I mean, again, I'm not a scout or anything like that, but obviously you and I have been watching football our entire lives, and we have had the absolute utmost pleasure of watching one of the greatest to ever do it as our example, not to mention some other greats. And I think that there are a few like key things that make certain quarterbacks great and some quarterbacks just good. And those are characteristics that you absolutely cannot teach. They're just, you just have them or you don't. And then there are the teachables. And then there are your personality, like your leadership skills. And there are some intangibles that Jordan just has. He has the arm. He has the scramble ability, the playmaking ability. I think he very clearly has the football IQ. I think the game is starting to slow down for him, which is going to really make a difference. The makes great throws, not enough good throws to me. That argument, honestly, people are using it as a knock against him to me. That's the argument for him because the good throws, the easy throws, you teach those. Those are and it the comes easy with chemistry throws. too. That's part like, of it. I was just going to say like the, the, you give him a little bit of trust behind that line. You give him the reps, you give him the time, you give him the chemistry with the wide receivers. Those throws will come. I'm not worried about those, but the arm angles that you see, the ability to get that playoff with pressure in his face, the scramble ability. I mean, and we see it week after week after week. You see those highlight throws from him every week. You cannot teach those. And I think his intangibles make his ceiling so high that I'm not sure you move on from someone like that so quickly. Thirdly, there is something about watching this locker room. Absolutely, I'm going to curse, so we're going to tag this is not for kids. <laughs> there is something about watching his this locker room fucking love him that says a lot to me. I see, I see what you did there. A lot to me. 
And like, I'm just some like Joe Schmo on my couch. Like that locker room knows something we don't respectfully. And I think that that carries a lot more weight to me. And again, like I could just be a homer being like, oh my God, look, my team loves my quarterback. That's not like what I mean. I mean, like this locker room would go to war for this dude. And you've seen other guys like not do that for their quarterback. I mean, there are dudes out there being like, I low key, like trade me. Yeah. Trade me. I don't want to be here. Fire my coach, like making snide remarks. Like they are not always like this in the locker room. No way. A comparison that I can think of, and maybe people will disagree with this is Baker Mayfield. Because whatever you think about him as a person, he's the kind of guy that will, like, destroy his body for his team. And he has, I think, earned the respect of players around the league. Like, those guys stick around because of the reputation that they gain. And I think Jordan Love has that same – he's very – completely different personalities, you know, like they're not the same personality. Right. But they're the kind of player that you can rally behind – but I think it's more, I don't know. I think it, it's, it's different than that though. Like when they're like, stop playing with this man, like they can see the disrespect that Jordan's getting from, and they're like, just wait, just wait. Like mm-hmm. we see it, we see it, just wait. And again, like, I just think there's something there. If your entire 75, 90 man roster has your back, like there's something there for me. Right. You're we are not in that locker room and we don't know. So I. Again, I was skeptical going in. I didn't know. I knew Jordan was raw. I wasn't sure. Like, you never know with those more like moldable, like balls of clay kind of QBs. Like, you don't know what they're going to be. You never know. But I think like a little more than halfway through the season, I think I'm fully on the Jordan. I'm a Jordan stand now. I think I'm back in it because there's. The poise, the never wavering, the standing by his guys, the way that he has just carried himself through the ups and downs of this season, like it could have folded right quick and it hasn't. I'm in. Okay. Because this is what we do on this show. I have to play devil's advocate, even though I'm fully, I agree with you. I'm, I'm team Jordan Love. I want him to, to get his opportunity. Do you think the situation is different if Aaron Rodgers like, retires i mean because i think i think this is a lockers room that united from the Jets? no from the packers like the way that departure kind of happened it felt like the packers had to rally around jordan and i'm not saying it's forced or anything like that but i think that maybe when your perception is like this is a bad football team okay so you think it's nah. pure, it's pure yeah yeah, I think it has everything to do with him. I don't think it has anything to do with 12 because it never had any, like no one has ever, the comparisons to 12 are purely external. No one in that building has ever equated the two. No, and I'm not saying it's going from 12 to 10. I just mean, do you think that the team felt like this protectiveness of like, we have to defend our guy because yeah. he left and now we have to like. Yeah. I think they're just like, this is our guy. Like, okay, this is no matter how 12 leaves now, 10 is our leader. And like, again, you said it before, but like, he's been in that building now. Like, this Mm -hmm. is their friend. This is their dude. This is our scout team guy. Like he's been here all off season with us. Like, it's not just some like random guy. Like they now have like chemistry. Like this is their, 
they knew this is what this was who they were going to follow into the future. Um, and I don't know. I just feel, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm getting this sense that like Jordan is still a little slept on um, every week. And it, like, look, the Packers, the Packers have been bad. Like, I'm not sitting here being like, this team is all of a sudden going to be. No, the Packers have been bad. They still are sub 500. They still have a lot to prove. But I just think, like, the last couple of weeks, consistently over the course of each game, there are multiple moments where I'm like, damn, Jordan, okay, yes, yes. And, again, there are going to be some bad interceptions. There are going to be some errant throws. Every quarterback has them. Patrick Mahomes threw a pretty bad interception Sunday night. Every quarterback has them. We have come from, I mean, Jared Goff just turned the ball over. Speaking of, about to go against the Lions. Jared Goff turned the ball over four times against the Bears. Like, we expect perfection as Packers fans because we had one of the best quarterbacks when it came to, you know, like, never giving the ball up. You know, there's there's certain things that we are used to. But that's my me finally not asking the question and giving the answer. Um but look, the Packers might regress Thursday night. They more than likely will. Uh cuz they are going to be missing a lot of guys. Um the Lions are a very good football team. They're a very well coached football team. They're going to be home. They're going to want to beat the crap out of the Packers once again. Um both teams are coming off a short week, which I think evens the playing field a little bit. Um, but man, I'm not looking forward to this. Yeah. And I mean, I think the first game left such a bad taste in our mouths because you could argue that the Packers were in every single game that they played all season, wins or losses, until that Detroit game. That's probably the only outlier as far as like mm. their competitiveness. So then to see the injury report where they have like 30 people on theirs and the Lions have four and three of them are already full participants. Like this is a very healthy Lions team at home on Thanksgiving with, is it like Jack Harlow there too? So, I mean, like it's, it's the theatrics are there. There's the halftime performance. Like everything is in the Lions favor and you've got this slept on Packers team that is finally finding their rhythm. And now half of the guys that helped them find that rhythm are not going to be able to play. And you've got Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. What do the Packers need to do to like stay competitive? I'm not saying win because I I don't think they win this game, but what do they need to do to stay competitive? I think you need to minimize the disruption of that D-line. And I'm not fully confident in the offensive line's ability to do that. I think they've had spurts where they're playing really well. But I also have questions about, you know, like the guys getting snaps. Like we see Sean Ryan come in in spurts and then he's out again. So it's like, what are the coaches seeing that we're missing here on the sidelines that warrant certain guys getting reps over other guys? Because we talk about, again, the same way the Packers are trying to figure out who their starting quarterback is and if loves the guy for the future. You have to be trying to figure out who your best five are to protect your potential franchise quarterback for the long haul. And it seems like there's this like unwillingness to do that. And they're not going to have a choice here pretty soon because they're one getting decimated by injuries. And two, we've said it on the show repeatedly. You can't evaluate a quarterback or an offense 
if there's pressure in Love's face. And granted, he looked really good against the Chargers and there was pressure in his face, but that's come recently. Yeah. The reluctancy to do any make any moves along the interior confuses me because they seem down to do a left tackle rotation. Mm -hmm. So why are we not down to do a right guard rotation? I the inconsistency with the offensive line decisions is where I have questions because again, like you're willing to in game rotate Yash and Rashid Walker, which again, I have questions about, I mean, how is that helping your quarterback at all? Having any continuity along the line at the most important, the most important offensive line position, but your right guard has been a full on reliant, like unreliable all season and you have someone waiting in the wings who in very limited snaps, very limited snaps. I have no idea what Sean Ryan would look like in a full game, but like, are we not at the point where we just want to find out? Or at least pick. It's not like he was an undrafted free agent that they're like, mm. no, you've been developing him. And again, he's been in two series and guess how both of those series have ended. <laughs> Touchdowns. So, again, I'm being a little bit facetious here, but, like, you're willing to do a rotation at the most important offensive line spot. You're unwilling to do a rotation at a spot that has been a liability. I have questions. Yeah. I have questions. Yeah, and, like, there's been no run game. I mean, talk about, like, another, like, plus for Jordan. He's been operating on an, an offense that's basically been one-dimensional. For like the entire season, you know, and you're going into a Lions game where you've got AJ Dillon in like a prayer. I mean, they just called Patrick Taylor up from his couch. Like, again, not being, I'm not exaggerating. He was literally sitting on his couch and they called him at halftime. So again, you're asking Jordan to do a lot with a little. Get somebody in. Get a Sean Ryan in, see if he can run block a little. I don't know. So I want to ask you this, not to completely derail the show, but you asked me your derail Jordan Love question. So I've been thinking about this for multiple weeks now, and I think AJ Dillon is progressively getting better week in and week out. And that's kind of his game, right? Like he starts the season slow. And yes, he was the only factor in the run game last you know, against the chargers, he still only had like, I think like 30 yards, like it wasn't a ton, but then he put up like another 30 or 40 yards in the receiving game. And I think he's actually like second on the team in yards from scrimmage. AJ. Yeah. Okay. He's in a contract year, obviously. Have you seen enough from him to potentially warrant bringing him back? Or are you still, I think they have to move on because mm -hmm. I think there's a comfort. Obviously we know him and Jordan are very close. He has been getting better, but you can't really justify the first like five weeks and how abysmal we he was looking. And, you know, maybe that was part of the offensive line. Maybe that was being one dimensional without Aaron Jones. But like if there's a world where only one of them are back, he might not have Aaron Jones next year either. So like what does your running back room look like going into the season or the offseason? And can you make any definitive decisions, I guess, on Aaron or A.J.? Okay, I'm giving a cop-out answer, but it's, like, genuinely what I believe. I just don't think you can make a decision on A.J. Dillon, like, in a vacuum. I think you're making a decision on A.J., like, in a in the big picture of everything. 
I like he's not your first decision on offense, you know. Yeah. Like I think you're looking at the picture in the offseason and you're making pieces decisions. And I think even and this sounds kind of bad, but like you might even go into the draft first. Yeah. So and come out of the Yeah. You know, like unfortunately, and I and I think and I don't mean this as a knock on AJ. I love AJ as a human. I mean, true truly, like on a personal note, like you and I know. Like AJ is an incredible human being. I want him to stay. He would, like he would take a team friendly deal. Like he would stay. So, but you don't know, you don't know what the future looks like for Aaron Jones, you know, at all. You don't know what the team wants to do from like a young guy perspective. You have no idea what their future plans are for like an Emmanuel Wilson, if that's even a thing, like, you don't know what they want to do in the draft in free agency. Like, so I think you make your offseason decisions and then you say, does AJ Dillon fit into this picture or not? And then at what price point? Yeah, because I think he very easily could get a contract from another team and it would kind of be up to him to decide if he was going to test the waters of the open market and see, because I think there probably are teams that are willing to pay him more than what the Packers would pay him. To stay in Green Bay, depending on again free agency, because there's always running backs on the market. It's that's the unfortunate well, nature of the position. See, I don't. I actually don't know about that. I think he has a lot more value in Green Bay than he does on other teams. Um, you know, maybe not. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. If he ends up having this, the you know, if the the second half of the season looks like he has the last like three or four games then yeah probably I also but then misspeak. the Packers will want to keep him I, I did misspeak he's actually first on the team in yards from scrimmage with 551 if you count his rushing and receiving yards yeah I mean good for AJ like and and again if he ends the season with over it because that then he's probably on track for around a thousand yards from scrimmage right so yeah I mean then the Packers are probably bringing him back then it's just a matter of does he want to test the, the market or not? Yeah. So what else? The Packers, uh, spent, the Packers spent a second round pick on him. Like, right, right. So let's let's talk about this Lions team again then. And we talked about how they can hang in the game. What are your primary concerns, I guess? Because this is a Lions team that almost lost to the Bears. Like, it was impressive how they pulled out a victory in the last couple seconds. You know, having a safety is like a really weird way to kind of end a football game. But, and okay. I have one primary concern. Okay. And his name is Amon Ross and Brown. <laughs> and if Fair. we don't have, and if the Packers don't have Jair Alexander, that primary concern skyrockets like hardcore because nobody in that secondary is hanging with. But I want to see Carrington Valentin try. I, I don't, don't know if he can hang. I but... don't. I'm sorry. I don't. I really don't. Really? I mean, they're not playing for the playoffs at this point. Just see what, see what, who's got some dog in him. And I think Carrington Valentine has some dog in him. Look, Joe Barry doesn't play man enough. Like even if jaw plays, you're going to get Carrington Valentine on a Monra. Okay. You'll see it. 
I don't. I just want a good game to watch while I eat my pie. Okay, like that's. I'm not asking. I don't want a blowout, which is why I don't want Carrington Valentine's on Amon Ross A. Brown all game. Look, the Lions are dogs. They are an amazing. I like. It's weird because, as a division opponent, like you don't you want to hate them. And I probably still should now that they're good, but I don't. I have so much respect for this team. They have crawled out of a decades-long hole of being abysmal to being this, like, rough, like, just absolute, like, scrappy dog mentality, like, will beat you until the last second clock strike zero team. They have the culture that, like, I kind of wish the Packers would emulate a little bit. They have that like rough around the edges. Like, I don't know, you know, they're perfect for Detroit. Yeah. They're perfect for Detroit. And they, they take it to them. And like you said, I mean, they were losing to the bears, which is embarrassing, but they didn't let themselves spiral and lose to the bears. Even and with also even with four turnovers, they turned the ball over four times and still won the game. Do you know how hard that is? Like how many? I would love to look up how many teams have turned the ball over four times and still won. That's got to be like a very short list. They it, turned, man. So they turned the ball over three times against the Seahawks and lost in overtime, and they turned the ball over three times against Vegas and won against the Raiders. So they historically they're turning the ball over multiple times in quite a few games and they're still hanging in it. Yeah. I mean the Packers again, like I think the turnover battle has been a struggle this season. The Packers defense is not, they're not creating big plays. They're not creating turnovers. Um, This is going to be a game where, (laughs) I mean, they're going to have to try. It might not do anything, but they're going to have to try. Um, The Packers defense, you know, we mentioned the offense and their injuries. The defense, besides Jaw, Jaw plays, they're not missing any of their big players besides Devontae Campbell, probably. So this defense is going to need to step up. They haven't. They've been playing terribly. It's time for Joe Barry to go. We all know this. But they're going to need to do something on Thursday, or else the Lions are just going to dog walk them. I don't want that. I mean, Thanksgiving is the one day I'm normally pretty zen and at peace with everything that happens. So I, I probably wouldn't be as uh, riled up about it. Um, but no, I, oh yeah, I, I agree. I'm going to have to watch with my dad. Who's like the ultimate pessimist. They, the backers need to at least hang in there or else I'm going to be miserable. And here's the thing that's so weird and why, you know, statistics don't always tell the full story is like the Packers in points against like their defense is 10th in the league. Like, they're holding teams to 20-ish points a game. And the Lions defense is 22nd in the league, which, again, they're only averaging, like, 23 points. So it's not that different. But when you look at it on paper like that, you're like, okay, the Packers defense, they're coming up in decent moments, like the chart, like the fumble recovery. And I'm not, I'm not excusing Joe Barry, right? Like, I, that doesn't mean anything. But the Packers defense, for being as good as they are on paper – does not look good on film or against good offenses. Yeah. They're the worst situational defense I think I've ever seen. Like, it's just unbelievable to me. 
Oh, the Packers offense finally took a lead. Let me give it right back. Okay. <laughs> them being generous Sick. for Thanksgiving. Ugh. I got nothing for this defense. I don't either. I was trying to think of something funny. Some fun pun about like stuffing or getting steamrolled or something, but I can't I can't do it. I just don't want to see a, a blowout. If the Packers can hang, I'll feel a lot better. And I think with who they have available on offense, that could be challenging, but it's going to come down to the defense, right? And unfortunately, that's kind of been the story of the season because we knew, not to keep using the word young, but we knew this was a developing offense that was going to take some time to get their bearings. And we're starting to see the offense start clicking, but it's been the defense's job or the expectation that the guys that they've invested significant draft capital in and significant money to would be enough to overcome some of these deficiencies on the offensive side of the ball. So now you've got an offense that, that's putting up points and playing in rhythm and starting to look the way we want it to. And the defense is letting them down. And unfortunately, a lot of the blame has to go to that side of the ball because they don't have the young pieces and they've been together long enough to know better and to play better. Amen, girl. Hell yeah. <laughs> they have been together long enough to know better. But it's... God, I would just love to know, like, what it really is. Yeah. Like, no one's ever going to really tell us because that's not how this works. But I would really love to know, like, what it truly is. God, if one thing happens this season, please, please give us a new defensive coordinator. Please. I don't even have any like prime candidates at this point. Just somebody new. Just bring in somebody new. You know, the the hope, the golden ticket, if you will, is Robert Sala gets sacked. And I knew that's where you were going. I just don't see it happening. I think that I Aaron Rodgers' Achilles was enough to buy him one more year. I agree with you, but how fun would that be if Maddie got to get his bestie? Any final right. thoughts about this Thanksgiving game before we wrap up? Do we want to do score predictions? I mean, I think we both kind of agree that the Lions are gonna gonna take this one. It's just a matter of by how much and how painful it is to watch when we're full. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say the Lions are a better team. And the hope for this Packers team is that they make it competitive. And they make it as competitive as possible whilst missing some of their best playmakers. It'll be an interest look. This season was never about wins and losses. This season was never about making it to the playoffs. This season is about, like, what can we learn about this young team amidst trying to win football games, right? Because you're always trying to win football games. And it's, like, it's going to be kind of fun to see if this team can scrap together some kind of crazy win. I mean, it's obviously not the same as having, like, Aaron Rodgers going into Arizona with, like, no Devontae Adams and a prayer, you know? But, like, can – I love that we were both thinking about that game. Um, (laughs) But, like, can Matt and Jordan come up with some really nice highlight moments? Maybe not a win. Maybe not a Rasul Douglas pick in the end zone to take it home. But some highlights, for sure. Um, I think you mentioned it earlier, but it bears repeating – Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs are going to need to step up in this game. 
we have not seen a game where the two of them kind of take over and dominate and they're going to need to do it in this one. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking at. Um, try to make this as not one dimensional as humanly possible and come out respecting the play you put on the field. You know, um, I'm going 31, 21 lions. I, I just still feel like the lions are just so much better, but putting up over 20, I feel good. Yeah, I could see this being like 31-24. I think the Packers can put up over 20. We'll see, though. The asterisk, of course, is that we know that a lot of these guys aren't playing. But I just want to end the show by saying you can't go 10-7 and seven if you don't lose seven games. So the Packers are well on their way <laughs> to the exact score prediction or the season prediction that we had for them. Okay. I love your optimism. <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. This has been the Pax What She Said podcast. You can find us right here on YouTube, of course, at Pax What She Said. You can find us on Twitter at PWSS Podcast. And, of course, in audio format, everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. Hopefully, we'll be back on Friday to talk about a Packers win. Probably not, but that's okay. Because, like I said, you have to lose seven to finish the season going 10-7. and seven. It's not actually what I think is going to happen, but I'm trying to be optimistic for the holidays. But have a happy Thanksgiving if you celebrate the holiday. And we look forward to hopefully a great day of football. Thank you again. And go Petco. Go Petco. Go Petco.